uh, a couple of evenings ago, uh, one of the staff uh, here uh, introduced me um, to surfing. I um, didn't know this existed as an indoor activity um, until uh, then. And surfing, apparently, the qualification is that you have a TV with um, cable and the remote control. And then one um, presses this button um, frequently on the remote control and wanders up and down there. And altogether, I would have thought um, there must have been at least 40 different channels. And quite patiently and diligently, um, I went over about an hour um, up and down these 40 channels and I do have to say I couldn't see one single thing worth watching and therefore not worth focusing upon and and the staff member told me that um, surfing is a quite a regular activity in um, the homes of t TV owners and I can um, well imagine the situation of um, using the remote and traveling up and down in the kind of forlorn hope <laughs> that something will show itself which is worth keeping one's attention upon. And um, in a way it can be um, a little s symptomatic of course of many other areas of our life about the way we live and to some degree what matters to us in fact is what we focus upon what matters to us is what we focus upon, what we give attention to. And the potency of that has uh, you know, lifelong implications for uh, each and every one of us. And as uh, the, the Buddha once uh, commented there in uh, remark in speaking of his own family, saying, let us not be heir an heir to uh, material things. But let us be an heir to the Dharma. Let us be an heir to spiritual wisdom and spiritual understanding. And that's what matters. And so in the talk with you this evening, I would like to speak a little bit about focusing, about what we focus our attention on, and very specifically in the context um, of the retreat uh, situation. In meditation, and I referred to this earlier uh, more briefly, the twofold aspect of it, one is the element and the factor of calmness, and the other is insight. And in the area of focusing as a direct contribution towards calmness of, uh, be of being, there are many depths which are available to us as human beings when we are willing in a steady and steadfast way to focus our attention on something and to be as steady with it as possible. At times, of course, it needs some flexibility and adjustment to accompany that. In the very focusing, the, the, though there might be and are primary objects of interest, but nevertheless there will be other objects states of mind, states of body, and what is around us, which do appear in consciousness. And we get, as it were, the intimation 
and the whisper of that. That may then begin to affect our relationship to the activity. So as one person um, reported in one of the, the small groups, how when some unpleasant feeling or emotion is arising that there can be some concern and apprehension it will intensify and the way that that can show itself that one suddenly goes from slow walking to fast walking and it has that subtle but signal of avoidance of not wanting to work with so we find ourselves as much as possible using the steadiness of the form regarding that as a primary focusing element keeping faith with it through the fullness of the day and as much as possible the departures from it are infrequent they might be necessary because of energy and uh, quality of uh, experience type of experience and various other rhythms that are going on for us so we say we, we try to keep with the mainstream of what we are focusing with and upon and keeping in the spirit rather strictly and in that disciplined way and the Buddha has frequently spoken of Dharma and discipline the two words working together to be a disciple to the truth meaning and therefore the departure from is with awareness and is practical and is necessary so when as another person reported she was experiencing and is experiencing a great deal of energy going on and that running through heart mind and body then the form of sitting can be inappropriate because it's not in a way respectful we might say enough to the the, the, the intensity of the energy which is occurring so then one does surp certain appropriate things and sometimes people go and dance in the woods go for a longer walk um, change the form quite dramatically therefore being and working with skillfully with what is appropriate uh, in this case uh, lots of uh, uh, energy when that begins to settle and cool out then one returns to the uh, uh, form of the sitting and walking so that one is sincerely keeping that as the current as the, the primary focus as much as possible it also can change because the very focusing highlights heart, mind, body immediate environment and it can be that one goes to take rest at night and the work during the day in fact has a kind of snowballing effect so that though there is the wish to lie down and uh, sleep at night one may find one doesn't have um, control over that and one can't sleep and of course the pressure the desire then aggravates the situation even more and it provokes anxiety or future concerns about how one will be the next day etc again one has to be respectful to what is in more so than the form and for some that might mean getting up it might mean 
doing some walking meditation in the middle of the night. It might mean coming in the hall to sit. It might mean lying on the bed and making the horizontal posture, the awareness, the meditation with as much stillness of being to maximize the calmness. So we, we have the structure of the form. The structure of the form serves as the focusing methodology with skillful and appropriate variations, like I just mentioned to you, and yet, however, not losing the simple structure of sitting and walking. Why? Because our life embraces a tremendous amount of sitting and walking. It's the primary event of our life. So we keep renewing and bringing our attention to the sitting and walking from wherever we are sitting, wherever we are sitting, and wherever we are walking. In the focusing thereon, breath, body, listening, states of mind, uh, experiences, feelings, or whatever, in that there is the potential and the possibility, not only for an awareness of what we focus upon, but also for a deepening of absorption. And I think this bears a little bit, if I may say, on um, things I was touching upon uh, briefly yesterday evening. And what I, what I mean, mean by that is that we often have the view that to work to be free from something, to overcome something, to end something, we have to focus on it. it it's the, the absolute imperative. It can be like everything else in this vast field of existence, there's no absolutes in terms of uh, methodology at all. What that means is that we can be with the present situation here and now. There is a reduction of calmness, a reduction of calmness, a contribution towards calmness, reduction of stress, tension, and pressure. And one has that authentic and invaluable meditative experience of really settling in. Something that we use in the rhetoric here, of course, a great deal. And that settling in is felt. It's felt with the body, it's felt with the heart, it's felt with the mind. And one of the indications of that settling in is that one genuinely has no wish to be anywhere else. Nothing of else is any more interest for one's life or focus, and there's no interest to be in another place, another environment, um, in a role, in an activity, no wish to be doing anything. And so, the, the, so there's a shift which is taking place as a result of the steadfast focusing from what is commonly a kind of doing mode to a being mode, from human doing to human being. And this coming to human beingness is reflected in the capacity to focus, to be steady, to be comfortable with that steadiness, and to actually feel one's being settling in. We would say, oh, I'm settling into the retreat. Yes, of course. One might say, I'm settling into myself. I'm settling into the here and now. I'm settling into life. And as one person rather lovely said, when, I re when I'm in the experience of settling in, I, I, I notice 
that I say to myself, I've come home at last. I've come home at last. And that sense and that experience and that inner uh, quality of absorption, sometimes referred to as jhana in the Buddhist uh, tradition, that uh, inner absorption is a very wonderful state. I'm not saying in profound terms, I'm not speaking in very deep terms, I'm just speaking of a state of, of being where there's no desire, no wish to be here or there, and one isn't feeding on something in terms of the positivity, negativity syndrome and that building that goes, building up that goes on. What is important in, in, in being settled in, therefore, there's a focus with, of course, the variations of activity and movement of heart, mind and body and environment that go on. But in that settling in experience and in the steadiness of it, it's not only significant for itself, the sense of being here, being alive, being a conscious human being, being with the here and now, but also and equally what is showing itself is by what is absent. What is absent. So the, the teachings, this the teachings uh, from the, the Buddha here, has frequently said, one in life is aware of what is present, but also one is aware of the absence of, he says. One is aware of the absence of. And what that means is that the awareness of the absence of can and does contribute to some of the breaking up of conditioned ideas that we have about ourselves or about retreats or life or whatever. So when there is that certain quality and varying depths of inner absorption, no wish to be anywhere, no wish to be doing anything, one feels at home with what is. When, when that's there, then there's absence of. And to alert and, and notice and be clear about the absence of. And the Buddha has uh, expressed five significant absence ofs for us to be clear there. Absence of desire. Desire meaning that movement towards which one becomes dependent upon. That's desire in Dharma language. The movement towards which one becomes dependent upon for one's peace of being. The absence of desire, the absence of um, negativity and aggression. Like I was speaking yesterday evening, sometimes in emotional form, conceiving forms, etc. The absence of um, uh, um, apathy, indifference, dullness, boredom, and that lethargic condition of mind. The absence of restlessness, agitation, and anxiety, the fourth one. And the fifth one, the absence of doubt, confusion, fear, that whole syndrome. So when we are calm, settled, steady, not demanding or not wanting, and there is the actual direct experience of the absence of those five hindrances, those five discomforts, shall we call them, of life, can we just be aware of this condition? One is asking nothing from life. Asking nothing from life. Nor projecting onto it, nor having trouble and difficulty with the condition of the feeling, perceptional thought life. That there's no problem 
in that moment with life. And those experiences where calmness and focusing and presence um, share and offer and make uh, available can be far more common and far more frequent and far more available than what the conditioned mind will permit us to acknowledge. The habit of mind can say, God, my life is in such a mess. The habit of mind can say, every retreat that I do is tortuous, as one person said. Habit of, hab, hab, habit of mind says, I, I, I just can't focus my mind. Habit of mind can say, I've never had a moment of meditation. Habit of mind says, I'm ne- I, I have no idea what, what it is to be mindful for uh, in the here and now, etc. Habit can come in like a cloud, like a shadow, like a presence, or whatever, and one can be looking at life through the habit, even though there are sufficient and adequate experiences taking place in such a situation here, which proves that the habit is a lie, because it's full of always and never and can't, etc. And therefore it's, a, it's mischievous, it's a, a deception upon the truth of things. So our experiences of the absence of the unsatisfactory in those five and other forms that I just mentioned to you helps and contributes very, very directly to authentic, basic experience of life. But what it also does, and very important, it gives a sense of the validity and the authenticity of one's experience there and a knowing of what can be and is being experienced. No demand on life. And that, to put it in a kind of contemporary language, is what contributes to a sense of self-worth, sense of authenticity there. In the... um, outer kind of focusing which is often a primary focusing in life and and therefore um, imbalanced and so much of the focusing in life which we engage in can be on focusing on what we are doing on the on the doing mode and all the social economic pressures etc etc but what we fail, I think, to understand with that that focusing that when it's so exclusively outwardly going, outwardly mobile, that the dependency element is high. And when often, when we're genuinely honest with ourselves, that part of the reason for so much outer focusing that takes place is in order not really to achieve the object of interest of what we're focusing upon, but so often to get confirmation from other people. The task itself at hand can often be secondary to some kind of recognition from other people that we are okay. And the focusing outwardly on on task 
is though it appears the important thing, the subtext running through it is what will other people think of me? Will they recognize me? Will they acknowledge me? Will they give me a sense of self-worth? And the teachings have said to us again and again, self-worth doesn't come from doing. Self-wisdom in life, wisdom of the self, doesn't come from doing. And if it did come from doing, we would be living in a culture of human beings who feel deeply okay with themselves. And we know, we don't, we, oh my God, we don't live in that culture. We live in a culture of, of chaos, live in a culture of immense inner dissatisfaction. And part of the many factors and reasons for it is that the realization of authenticity and the realization of these things in life comes from a, a kind of focus in life, but the focus on doing and dependency on others cannot be fulfilling. And there's no evidence anywhere to show this. And therefore, the, the, the relationship of the doing, the human doing, to the human being, it's the human being that must come into our focus. When we are focusing on our situation, our condition, our plight, for some respect, as a, as a human being, as I said, the elements of calmness and relaxation matter a great deal. It shows to us through direct experience that the difficulties of heart, mind and body are not present in every single moment. And that helps to enliven and release quite naturally a certain kind of appreciation in which our sense of being okay in many moments and many situations is actually true and authentic. And therefore we begin to get a kind of perspective on ourselves which doesn't allow us to use always and never and these crude, gross generalizations that we have about ourselves or about others. We have seen the, 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 the lie, the, the deceit, and so that when we hear teachings about impermanence, it's not some kind of biological, environmental, global, physiological belief system. It's to be regarded and to be treated as a contribution to our understanding which helps to set us free. And therefore the crudity of continuity, the crudity of generalizations and the way we use language and views is, is we have no appetite for it. Why? We have the experience. We have the experience which dissolves the generalization. We know that there are times of love and life and contentment and connection and appreciation and multiple things in our days here which touch us and which we respond to and we acknowledge and appreciate. And that's the authentic experience of the moment. And we're not blind to them. And, and we know that those moments, they are the actual outpouring 
and the actual acknowledgement of an utterly healthy psyche. An utterly healthy psyche. And there are moments, of course, of course, when there's difficulty, when the mind is tortured, when it's hard, when it's a struggle, when there's pain and when there's uh, tears and frustration and anger, etc., etc. But we're not using that as some kind of belief system against ourselves because we know that which is not that through our experience. And that experience doesn't have to keep referring to long time ago in the past as we can see from our, a day of focusing that during the course of a day we can move as it were between various forms of experience because that's what we focus on. The focusing on helps us to reveal the changing world and the changing world means we can't get a fixation about who we are. We can't get a fixation about it. We can't have these crude generalizations. The capacity to focus also has many other areas and dimensions uh, to it as well. And one of the things which um, I have um, uh, noticed and have uh, talked with uh, friends about is I think in many, many fields of life that there are such unsatisfactory um, demands upon people, and, and you here will know and experience this well, that the demands are made upon people to such a degree that it has this kind of impact on the ability to focus. And in order to be able to focus to a, a task at hand, it requires a kind of underlying connection and interest and um, appropriate thought and um, uh, feeling of warmth and support for, etc. And in that kind of environment, we can focus. But how often and how easily the pressures which come about being more focused, about doing more work, about being more concentrated, whether it's in the school or whether it's in the home or whether it's in the office factory or whatever, the demands are unreasonable. And the pressure inhibits the focus. And there's so much pressure, the person finds it more and more hard to focus in life. And with that, what's the outcome of it inside? I can't do my job properly. I'm not ready for this. I can't handle this. I can't remember the, all these things which I'm supposed to learn. I can't comprehend it. I can't absorb it. I, I just can't get connected with it. The pressures emerging from the within, which have been internalized, emerging from outside, come together and it destroys and corrupts and inhibits the potential to focus. And human beings then blame themselves and blame each other 
because there's no real sympathy and, and support and understanding of how focus needs love. It needs kindness, it needs warmth, it needs support, it needs affirmation, it needs all that contribution from within and without. And when a human beings can do that, then we can focus because there's a power of the mind to be able to do it. So our focusing, our ability to place our attention on something does require tremendous other, very other kind of resources to make that available. And then we need to explore this, not only for ourselves, but hopefully to be more caring and supportive and understanding and compassionate to other people who are struggling to focus on issues in life. In this capacity, this marvelous thing of being able to focus, being able to give one's attention to something and to be able to stay with it and to stay steady, steady with it. What I've noticed, as I said with friends who have worked in retreats, have given a lot of time and care to these kind of practices and uh, teachings, that in a rather remarkable way it can go, as it were, from what is a very refined and subtle kind of focusing that you and I do here together to um, a larger scale of things in which there are areas of life which are important for that person and the person has the interest in the, um, some knowledge about, some passion and enthusiasm for. The result of it is the person is able to sustain a focus on something which is of value and important for years. For years. Lifelong. The focus stays steady, lifelong. There may be variations on the theme for that person or persons, but the, the main body of their life is committed in a way. Why? Because the mind can focus and it can stay steady, and it knows what that means. And that is some skill and attribute which does flower out of these kind of situations in an atmosphere of love without pressure. Shada and Jose and I, we very rarely say to people, what time did you get up this morning? And uh, how many sittings have you done today and um, you know um, how many kilos of food have you eaten at lunchtime or, <laughs> or, or, or whatever it, it might be. There's adults working in a, an environment, in a, in a supportive environment, contributing to focusing and in a way the, the breath, the body, important as it is, the emotions and states of mind, the listening, they, they certainly have an important part to play in all of this, but actually it's the capacity, it's, as, uh, as the, the Buddha said, to be able to focus is a siddhi, Understand? it's a power of mind, it's a great power in life to be able to focus on that which is worth focusing upon. And hasn't it so often and so easily we say to ourselves, well, you know, I'll start this next week, 
or next month or next year or whatever. And how many good ideas can spring forth from us? But then we say, well, uh, I haven't got time to focus on that. I haven't got the energy for that. I haven't got the, the uh, opportunity for, for that. And if something is significant and meaningful, and we really know something is worth focusing upon, and we have understood that, we've actually understood what focusing upon really means, I think the potential for that to happen um, is intensified. We've really understood. And sometimes I have said to uh, um, um, people, young, young um, people who have come on, come on retreat, and they said, well, um, you know, I'd love to do more of these retreats, Christopher, but, 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 but. But don't think, or they perhaps they do, think too much about, say, for example, um, going to university for five or six years and getting into debt for ten, twenty, thirty thousand, thirty thousand dollars And I have said to them, and as I've said to my teenage daughter, you'll get a far better education in a retreat center than you'll ever get at Harvard and all these other places. Because it's an education into life. Get the education into life, the feeling, experience, the immediacy of, of life, and have trust and faith in that kind of focus. And the rest would come. The rest will come. But we, we, we sometimes we are uh, focus in, 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 in life, we, we, we somehow we've got the language confused of the real world, etc., etc. And, and it needs the focus, and by highlighting small, ordinary things, breath, body, life, thought, experience, etc., all those things, perhaps something, vision can come out of it. Some vision, some awakening, either dramatic in some cases, gradual in others, expected in some, unexpected in others, something can come out of it. There's no assurance, of course, no guarantee in that respect. But so that the focusing upon, the giving attention to, is never the end in itself. It's a contribution to awakening life. The contribution to awakening life. And because we are, in a way, our marvelous and wonderful attribute that you and I have as human beings is the ability to shed light on things, to bring light into the world. And that the capacity to do that comes in one of its ob immediately obvious forms is giving attention to. And if we really can give our attention to and really work with that and stay steady with that, things will come. Things which we could not see will be seen. And we think, my God, how I could have got through this life and got so far as I have done and not, s and not seen So though we, as I said before, take the ordinary in the everyday, because that's our ordinary and everyday human experience, 
And though we say we must give a lot of care to being, we're paying a terrible price worldwide, personally and globally, for that kind of neglect. But we're getting out of touch, so terribly out of touch, and we're deceiving ourselves because we think that by doing, we're going to get more in touch. But that doing is propelled by images and patterns and habits from the past. And genuine doing in life in its fullest sense doesn't come from the pressure of past circumstances. It comes out of the being here and now. And sometimes we know and we recognize and we know the difference between being doing through being pushed along by circumstances and something is unfaithful to life about it. Something feels inauthentic and untrue about it. Being pushed along by circumstances and it's doing, 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 doing. And we complain bitterly to ourselves and bitterly to everybody else. I'm doing, 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 doing. And we think, God, where's my life going? And it ain't going anywhere because it's doing, 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 doing. And there's such a difference in that and that authenticity where the actions of life is coming out of the being and therefore it's, as it were, coming out of the here and now rather than coming out of the past circumstances. And if you and I focus and give lots of care, care to that, we'll be, really will begin to sense and know the difference. And feeling addictions and feeling compulsions and feeling under pressure and feeling busy will go out of the consciousness. It will, it will, it will lose its place in, 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 in life. And it's not that anything may dramatically change in our way of being in the world. It may not anything dramatic at the outer level. But one knows a shift into authenticity has taken place within. And that's reflected. And that what we do in life is never anything which takes us away from being. We know our being is where we are. We know it, we feel it, we feel at home, deeply at home. And what we do, what you and I do with, with life, doesn't feel in any way to be a distraction from human being and being deeply at home with life. And that's in itself is liberating, itself is, is awakening, itself is the expression of authenticity. Whatever you say, let us focus, let us focus, let us focus. And when those situations in life arise for us where we're called upon to focus upon something, and particularly if that focusing upon has long-term implications, long-term implications, then in that, let's hope there is enough being with us that we can stop and say, do I want to follow the long-term implication of this? Is this the wise thing to do? Is this the wise thing to do? And if we're unsure, let's meditate Let's refocus, let's explore, let's inquire, let's contact with the wise, contact with ourselves, so that we are 
clear as we possibly can be that what we engage upon isn't going to be at the loss of being. It's not worth it. It simply is not worth it, whatever it might be. And our respect to our authenticity and to our life somewhere is in the depth of our being. And that's what we're here to realize and awaken to and discover. To. And the lovely thing about all of this is that those who do and have realized these things, they're not spending their life in the navel gazing. They're actually active and participatory in the world and leading a full and diverse life and have as many commitments as anybody else on this earth. It's not a shriveled, shrunken life at all. It's a life which is rich and diverse, but that understanding has reached the very depth of one's being that one is not dependent on results. One is not look in that focus, is not looking for the affirmation to give a sense of one's worth because one's worth is in the being and the being was there long before the doing started. The being was there before we started doing. And one knows that's where the authenticity is. So dependency on results and etc. is irrelevant. So let's keep faith with our meditations, our observations, our, our, our focusing, our present and see all of that. And in those moments when there's nothing going on in the mind, no demand upon life anywhere. Let's just acknowledge those moments. They are precious moments. They are moments which reveal being. And let's see what flowers from all of this. May all beings live with clarity. May all beings live in peace. May all beings live in harmony. Have a couple of quiet minutes together, please. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.